This is Always Remember The Mod State Podcast And now, your hosts Alright Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Mod State Podcast uh, You are stuck with me today or tonight or wherever you, whenever you're listening to this as a Nate bonus episode, a pontification, uh, a word vomit, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but you are with me for as long as I want this episode to go. So um, before we get started, as always, wherever you're listening to this podcast, whether it be here in the U.S. or abroad, thank you for tuning in. Uh, we certainly appreciate the continued listenership. If you like what you hear, head over to modstate.com for more opinion pieces, and shortly, John and I will be back together. So, here we are. Here we are. What's going on on March 14th of 2022? Certainly not what I thought would be happening one year ago, uh, March 14th, 2021. However, I believe it would have been about a year ago. I mean, we were still in the old covid cycle um and that was kind of it i think we were yelling at each other on um, the interwebs about the efficacy of masks and covid mandates etc fast forward a year and there's a an incursion on a largely democratic nation um, just outside of nato borders so here we are now, what's the point of this? Well, we've moved studios, at least uh, on the producing side. Um, we've officially moved. The new studio is up, and I figured, well, I had a little bit of time, so you all can just hear what I've got to say. But I'd like to discuss kind of two things. I guess there's some parallels between the two, but what's going on here domestically these days, um, and of course, what's dominating most media outlets and and opinion sites and um, institutions like ours um, that are largely talking about really the incursion into Ukraine, which represents um, really a, an incursion on democracy, um, regardless of how great Ukrainians' democracy was. Um, I had a conversation with somebody, um, and they started it off by telling me how uh, poor Ukraine's democracy really is. Um to which that was sort of the end of the conversation. I said, okay, so what, how, how what, why <clears throat> would you bring that up? And if I told you I didn't know and you were to tell me how bad it was, would it justify um, the Western response to it? Or would it justify um, Putin's response, even though a response typically dictates or, or needs uh a catalyst, right? Um, other than the fact that I know Ukraine was trying to work its way to NATO and uh, EU membership, but <clears throat> we're learning now Mr. Putin doesn't like that. Um, well, let's start domestically. Um, well, first off, upcoming. What could happen in the next couple of weeks? Well, I think it's likely that Russia continues its incursion into Ukraine. Um, with that comes the horrors of war, but also... Uh, I think for a lot of Americans, the question is, what is the American response here? Um, 
or rather the NATO response. Uh, will there be a no-fly zone? Will that finally happen? Will Ukrainian leaders and those who are arduously supporting Ukraine, but not necessarily in strategic leadership positions, um, <clears throat> will they eventually see their wish of a no-fly zone? And then, of course, what will it take? Um, you know, I think there's a uh, there is a position you can take when you're not actually pulling the strings, when you actually aren't making the call, the calls, um, <clears throat> positions that you can take that I think you can, you can take those positions um, knowing that, look, uh, maybe taking the position of a no-fly zone. Um, it's easy for someone on the Armed Services Committee to say, yes, I think we should go ahead and do this, or, hey, look, we know that this will um, really help um, Ukraine, but then from maybe a national security advisor position. Um, you don't have that same luxury. You might be able to say, yes, a no-fly zone would certainly be helpful, um, but at what cost? In that cost being, <clears throat> of course, it, countries will look at their own interests. Um, uh, what's the greater consequence here? Will this create World War III? And so I think there's a lot around this no-fly zone, but the question will be, what will it take? Um, will it take chemical weapons? Um, will it take... I mean, I think it's hard to, at this point, it's hard to show that war crimes have not been committed in in Ukraine. Um, what will the war crime, what would it take? What war crime would it take in order to create a no-fly zone? <clears throat> and then at least one that I'm particularly interested in would be the China involvement. I think China's taken uh, about as neutral stance as China can take at the moment, um, although there's, uh, at least today, there's been some upcoming discussions or um, some chatter about uh, Russia's current ask of China, whatever that is. Um, however, uh, interested to see both how China and, and really India um, move in here and establish themselves and the positions that they do establish. And I certainly don't think... Um, the overall relationship with China and the U.S. or Western war, uh, countries changes drastically here, although uh, the China did extend an invitation to the U.S. to join the Belt and Road Initiative, which would you know, basically span from China um, throughout Asia and into Europe, Africa, um, and pretty much anywhere they can shovel money and do infrastructure developments. But and we'll see. Again, I don't think that um, there'll be a large change. But, you know, again... China has to be eyeing Taiwan. We talked about that on the last um, podcast episode with John. Um, but I'd be curious to see what really China and India do in the long term here in terms of their investments with Russia um, and their relationships with Russia. But let's go to domestic um, issues that are going on. Again, inflation's hit an historically all-time high. Um We've seen pretty good numbers on job creation. We've seen petrol, petroleum, gas increase quite, at least at the pump, increase quite acutely. At least I think the, the last time, at least that I really was paying attention, I think it was the early 2000s where there was an acute spike under Bush. And filling up during that time was $5 plus. And we're seeing that now, although we are seeing oil plunge below $100 per barrel. So how does that work itself out? Um, I think the, the, the economics of that is quite interesting. 
Why is it that we see such a pinch at the pump um, when uh, we only import a very small amount of Russian oil, but welcome to commodities and speculation, um, as well as some supply and demand issues. Although I think OPEC, or maybe not even OPEC, but UAE has um, signaled that they would would release more oil. Um, and then <clears throat> I really, I think, if we're talking about renewables or predicting uh, non-renewables, renewable energy and predicting where we go, I think this whole thing over the last several weeks has really shown shed light on people's tolerance for change with renewable energy. And I think if I looked correctly, there are some polls out there that showed that broadly, I think across the world that renewable resources and investments in renewable resources is far more tenable to people given seeing a real world example of having, of being energy dependent on a nation. Um, no, it certainly doesn't just work that the United States turns on the spigot for gas uh, and oil <clears throat> just overnight. That stuff does take a while, but uh, we are seeing uh, those numbers, uh, the, the barrel of oil across the, the world plunge below 100, so we'll see what happens at the pump with that. So here we are. Um, uh, continued, of course, it would be right to not talk about domestic policy um, without, I guess, notifying you again. Surprise, there's going to be midterm elections this year. Um, and with elections come, <clears throat> um, I would say, more of the crazy policies, um, these last-minute pushes to appease base voters, um, although this has been going on ahead of the midterms, like um, Don't Say Gay in Florida, Missouri's proposing a bill, it's either Missouri's proposing a bill to make ectopic pregnancies a class A felony, which is insane because um, it just is. You can look it up. Um, <clears throat> no, it's my time. Uh, this is my wheelhouse. Um, uh, making It would essentially be a miscarriage or the death of a mother with an ectopic pregnancy where that egg gets lodged in the fallopian tubes and becomes a huge problem. It's not viable for mother or baby. Uh, but now that's becoming a class A felony. Um, there has, Texas is investigating the parents of trans kids. Anyway, a lot of culture war stuff, a lot of um, really important work um, that uh, some legislatures are doing across the state, which is, is very sarcastic. Um, <clears throat> here we are. Additionally, We've had the president of the United States, former president of the United States, Donald Trump, I think has been largely off the radar. Um, <clears throat> and and I, I will tie this all in, the discussion of, of why this is all important. I'm not just here to talk about the former president, but um, I've always talked about and maybe made really poor predictions about where the GOP can go, how do they take this narrative back, um, if they want or choose to want to take the narrative away from Trump and bring it back into at least Bush era politics, which maybe isn't even that great with Newt Gingrich scorched earth policies, but at least it's, it's more center. Um, I think than the direction that it's currently going. Um, <clears throat> but I think on the last episode, if I remember correctly, um, the president had been, caught on film really praising the president uh, or dictator of Russia, Vladimir Putin. Um, 
But after the podcast episode and just recently, uh, he was on Hannity and it was quite interesting to listen to the segment and Hannity almost begging him. Um, in fact, softballs uh, really aren't even softball pitches anymore. Um, it was, he was given multiple attempts, attempts to even just disavow the former president or the, <clears throat> excuse me, disavow uh, the president of Ukraine or of, of Russia. However, uh, Donald Trump couldn't do it. He just couldn't do it. Um, and I find that, I find that certainly if I was, um, in the GOP and was very anti-Trump, I would be screaming that this is a, is a perfect message. This is perfect. We can absolutely use this towards a narrative um, and maybe just a simple narrative of, of the sanity narrative. Um, or if you're the left in the, Democrats notoriously do a horrible job of messaging. <clears throat> and maybe um, that's because maybe it's harder to message. I don't, maybe it's harder to message their ideology. I'm, I'm not sure. Um, however, uh, it, either one of these camps have an opportunity here. Um, and, and what I mean by that is I think what, what we've talked about New, quite a bit about missed opportunities that the GOP has. And I think it's uh, it's a lot harder to take back a narrative when someone like Donald Trump is in power, but he's not. Um, in fact, he's not on any major platform at all. Um, and when he is, it's for a short period of time, like Sean Hannity, a, a very small snippet of time. Um, <clears throat> so it's much easier to control the narrative or change the narrative when that person's largely not in the spotlight. Um, and so this is a unique opportunity. I think, um, it, it look all, all of, um, and if they don't, um, they run the risk, I think of full further alienating folks. Um, <clears throat> although they've done a good job, I'd say as a whole with the sort of right leaning propaganda wing, uh, whether that's Fox news. Um, and I'm not saying that negatively, however, um, they have they have this opportunity because if they don't, you're going to continue to hear um, the 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 Tucker Carlsons of the world. Um, you're going to continue to hear, um, well, I guess interesting figures like Tulsi Gabbard being thrown back into the spotlight. If we remember back in 2000, I think it was 17. Although I think I'm in the ballpark there, 16, 17, 18, uh, where Hillary Clinton called her out as being a Russian asset. And I, I remember even at the time, I was like, ah, oh, come on, uh, was that the was the right was that the right punch? Um, well, I, again, Tucker Carlson and Tulsi Gabbard are being parroted on Russian media right now, um, and and you don't do that. Um, I guess there's a, there's an opportunity to be taken out of context and being portrayed as propaganda. You, there certainly is. However, with the two of these folks, um, I don't know that it's necessarily the out of context soundbite. Um, unfortunately for Tulsi, it's the the narrative that there's U.S. backed um, bio um, <clears throat> bio labs. So sort of like the Wuhan. They really like labs. You know, Wuhan and now in Ukraine. I um, mean, to me, it isn't as much of a, hey, is it, is it true or not? Okay. To me, it's the sort of consequence of that action, right? I, I agree that it's right to hold our leaders accountable. I think it's right. I mean, she, the question is what, why, what is this? What is the point of all of this? Obviously I think she is very much more of a, 
um, isolationist type member, um, whatever she is, Democratic, Independent, Republican, wherever she lands these days. Um, maybe it's true. Maybe we are doing that. Um, I think I'm having a hard time um, figuring out in my head why that would be so horrible. But her messaging now, her messaging now surrounding this is becoming more fuel to the Russian populace as to a sort of a validation of this entire war effort for Russia. And so it's, <clears throat> that stuff is happening right now. And I think that you're seeing people like Mitt Romney coming out and calling that kind of conversation traitorous. Um, and that is how they can slowly take this narrative back. And what do I mean by the narrative? What narrative? How about just the sanity narrative? Like I said before, um, there are, and there, there is a portion of the GOP. I mean, as evidenced by t-shirts that you can buy that say, I would, you know, I'd rather be, I'd rather be a Russian than a Democrat. And that idea that Democrats are so dangerous to this country that I'd rather be aligned with Putin is a testament to stupidity and a testament, well, maybe that's just what it is. Um, but, I mean, in a way, where did that come from? Holy crap, I don't know. Maybe the fact that uh, the Russians have, infiltrate's not even the right word, but the Russians have been um, helping sway American perspective for a really long time. And they did a really good job on social media leading up to the 2016 presidential election. That didn't stop. Um, that stuff's still going on. Um, so taking that, I mean, even just the simple narrative on Fox news that um, the Democrats are responsible for the sun um, uh well, maybe not the sun. That would be a good thing. Uh, but Democrats are responsible for all bad weather um, and the sun going down at night and no full moon. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy talk. Um, and to believe that, I believe, I truly believe, um, leads you to be more susceptible um, to just absolutely, um, well, disinformation, misinformation. Um, it's easy to be disillusioned. So that's the narrative that I mean they can take back. They can take back um, the sort of conspiracy-laden um, ideology. In fact, there's, it's very hard to find the ideology. I think part of taking back that narrative is presenting uh, an ideology, presenting a doctrine, presenting uh, an agenda. Like Rick Scott just presented one. And, oh my God, dude. It's, it's horrible. It, it doesn't land with most Americans. So there's an opportunity here to really present an agenda going into the midterms. And if that's not with Trump, then I think that's fine. Um, I think that this is the moment. And I don't know how long it's going to last either, right? Um, I mean, we are pretty far away from a presidential election, um, and it, which I think would give someone like a Mitt Romney um, more ammo in a shorter period of time, right? Um, we are at the midterms. I think it's a great idea uh, to move forward with this, but I, I think there there needs to be a little bit more unity um, 
and who knows if maybe after the midterms when the GOP takes control of the House in the Senate, um, you know, it's full steam ahead with Trump. Who knows? But I, I think this is the moment. Um, but you know that that also is assuming that the uh, somehow the news cycles uh, or, or or people aren't tuning into mainstream media as much, um, or mainstream media somehow stops covering Ukraine. Um, I, I I don't think they will in terms of just full steam ahead. But I think we also have this this uh, social media component that we haven't seen in other wars um, that will continue to illuminate us on, on sort of the plight of the Ukrainians. And, uh, but also it'll be interesting to see as Russia is largely involved in their own domestic propaganda and then just the fallout from all of this, including assets being frozen, um, including the internet in some cases being shut down, U.S. backed and world backed companies leaving Russia. Um, how um, how they'll actually be able to create their own narrative throughout the world. If you remember back to um, uh, Facebook, the presidential election again, you know, we saw there's a lot emerging from Russian involvement of, of propaganda on those sites or just misinformation in general. So I, I don't know. I think maybe it is even that social media keeps this alive for a longer period of time. So we'll see. Uh, unsure. I think it leads me to really what what is the end game here? And I, I thought maybe from the episode we did a couple weeks ago to the episode today that I'd be in a better position, position to make a prediction or maybe there'd be more clarity as to how this was going to resolve itself, how it is going to resolve itself. But again, I don't think we're very clear on what that is. Um, again, I as slow as Russia's attempts into taking Ukraine over have been, it's still a behemoth and is really in a better position um, than it has been to keep driving on. Um, I mean, I mean that even just from a zero sum game from a, like they just have to double down on this now. Although it could, I really am not sure, you know, you, I, I'm sure we are not going to see a unified Ukraine um, that is now part of the the Russian sphere of influence, um, and everyone's really happy. I certainly don't see that. I think we're much closer. Or the re- I certainly think the reality of of Putin's downfall uh, maybe that's through the rising up of the Russian people, which I think we're fairly far off from, or even as simple as the oligarchs banding together and doing away with him. I think we're certainly closer to that than we are uh, a wonderfully unified Ukraine. And I believe this will drag out for a really long time, but I, I just don't see, and maybe there's a solution in the middle where we, we had brought up before that there is um, there's talks and somehow we get led to a, a neutral Ukraine, similar to like Switzerland or, or uh, Sweden. Um, and then, I would imagine a concession to that would be part of Ukraine lopped off and becoming a Russian state. Uh, and maybe that's, maybe that's good enough for a decade. Um, and maybe that's the more reasonable end point here. However, that doesn't stop the fact that 
every single day atrocities are being committed there that need to be addressed. Um, so it's interesting. I think at the end of the day, <clears throat> Putin's done what I think he didn't want. I think his goal, at least covertly, his role um, was to create disunity in both the U.S. and places like Europe um, with his involvement with Brexit um, and, and in his role in the 2016 presidential election and ongoing, just something as simple as disinformation on Facebook. Um, I, I'll be curious to see. So what he did was he unified at least the westernized world for now um, and showing that it, it can fairly effectively work so far um, against or at least implementing sanctions. Um, we'll, we'll see how well they do. Um, the unified front does in, in arming Ukraine. Um, and what happens if one missile does um, launch over, most likely over the Ukrainian border into Poland, uh, what the NATO response will be there. Um, so in a way, Putin has unified uh, the the, the westernized world to a greater extent. And I'll be curious to see how um, <clears throat> the continued propaganda arm of the right wing in American politics can mobilize um, some opposition, maybe within the GOP itself. Uh, because I imagine if this continues to go unchecked, this this narrative and this discussion of Putin's strength, that's that's a huge detractor from from what could be a GOP agenda that doesn't exist at the moment. Um, but there's an opportunity there at least. So I think <laughs> there has been a, a bit of unity around Ukraine in the U S. Um, and I think this happens in times of war, especially, um, I think it rings true to a lot of Americans, um, that have family connections that have connections, through church that have connections just from what it means to wake up in a relatively free nation. Um, that that's, that's a very tangible thing. So there has been unity both on the global front. And I think most, the most unity I think we've seen in the U S for a really long time. Um, and I it always, you always need, um, something to gauge, uh, your unity off of, right? Like what, in what context? Well, I mean, you could look at historical times. You could look at nine 11 and seeing the unity in the United States was at an all time high at that point. I don't think we're necessarily there, but given the context of the disunity over the last four years and around January 6th, that there is far more unity, I think from sort of that neighbor to neighbor connection than there ever has been in the U S. Um, so I think that's, and maybe there's, there's certainly, it's not great. Um, I will acknowledge that. It's certainly still a huge problem, but uh, at least it's something that most Americans can rally around. And as the voices um, become louder or new voices enter the arena in terms of the support for Putin or the, maybe it's, maybe it'll be more subtle, um, like undermining President Zelensky or the Ukrainian efforts in some way. Um, we'll continue to, um, I think unify those who can actually weed out uh, absolutely ridiculous ideas. So yeah, end goal, unsure. A number of ways this could go. 
Um, obviously, again, another um, op- another situation that could arise would be the use of nuclear um, weapons. And if you want to hear uh, John and I discuss mutually assured destruction, you can check out the last episode. Um, but I, you know, briefly, what what comes of this? Um, I think we'll just see more of this over the next couple of weeks, um, and uh, and maybe that will be a no-fly zone. Um, and what will it take? Unsure. Um, in in China's involvement here, but this is my brain dump. If you liked what you heard, if you didn't like what you heard, even better. If you don't like what you heard, leave a message somewhere um, on one of the forums. You can go to podomatic.com and and leave a, a comment um, on this episode, and I'll log in to, to make sure I reply, or you can send over more, well, I guess you can do it detailed either way, but if you want to make it a little bit more anonymous, send yours over to modstate at modstate.com. Um, and yeah, the next episode will be John and I, but got the studio set up, needed to jump in here uh, and brain dump for you. So as always, until next time. <laughs>